What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Triple H Podcast. Happy Hour of Hoops. Everything NBA all the time. Steve, Jake, and myself, Dunny, as always. Today we have we have a bit of a good, bad, and the ugly situation going on. All three of us <laughs> will be talking about some standouts from this year. You know, individuals, teams, whatever. But could be good or bad. We're just going to be talking about the first week of the NBA. Obviously, some super exciting stuff, some not so exciting stuff, some drama, all of it. It's the NBA. It's where amazing happens. This stuff happens. Good, bad. You guys ready to talk some first week of the NBA? I can't believe we're already a week in. Feels great. Yeah. I can't believe it either. It's been a fun first week, too. I, I got to be honest. I like when the first week kind of goes with some stuff we don't expect. And there were a lot of surprises this week. There was a lot of surprising teams, a lot of surprising players. And we were talking about this all week in our group chat. One of the biggest things for me was how quickly some of these rookies adjusted to the NBA level. Like we haven't really seen before. It feels like every year it just keeps getting accelerated. And we saw that with the first game with Paolo Bancaro, and it just kind of continued with these rookies just, they're getting 30-plus minutes already, and they look like seasoned vets. And then there were a lot of teams, too, that we will talk about that just surprised us. I know we had our, you know, division previews each week where we went through, and there were a few teams already where I'm like, oh, this doesn't look good for Mad Pick. This isn't aging well. And then there's other teams where I'm like, oh, I kind of want to take the victory lap already. But we're a long we got a long way to go in the season. We're only four or five games in for some teams. But, guys, it was just great. I, I mean, the whole week I watched multiple basketball games every single week. I got the league pass ordeal somewhat figured out. So I was able to sit back, relax, and just watch a ton of basketball. It was the best. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, thankfully, the NBA and Apple have, have gave Steve his, his rightfully earned money back. And he can enjoy his league pass the way he should be. Um, you brought up the one guy. I, I'll you want to jump right into this, guys, because you yeah. mentioned the one guy that's on my list here, and it is Paolo Bancaro, who four yeah. through four games, guys. Were you ever a- expecting him to average over twenty points a game in his first four starts? Because I don't think that no. even my, my highest. I mean, I expected to have some, you know, some moments where he was he would have a high scoring games, especially this year, but. 27 in his first game. I mean, that was against Detroit, but still at Atlanta, he had 20 against the Celtics had 23. And then the other night uh, against the Knicks had had 21 points. He's had 20 in every game. So it's not like an one big game is boosting up the average. It's been consistent. Um, He's rebounding. Well, he's, Mm -hmm. he's, he's just, it's everything we kind of talked about, about Van Carroll coming into the season. He was ready made to step in and be a scorer and be effective um, in, in an NBA season. And he's done that so far. And he looks strong. Like, he yes. he yeah. looks like he is a force. Um, the Cavs play the Magic later tonight in about 40 minutes. And I'm terrified. Me and my friends are talking about it, terrified about what Evan Mobley is going to look like against Paolo Vancaro. Because Mobley, as great defensively as he is, I'm, I'm interested to see what he looks like against the strength of a guy like that who who – has kind of pushed around a lot of people that have been in front of him so far. So um, Paolo has just been, he's lived up to every expectation I had for him. So I had to shout him out and you mentioned the rookies. So I think that's a great place to start. Yeah. I mean, he's exceeded my expectation. 
already from winning the season, but right away, I mean, it was crazy. I think we saw a stat that he was the first rookie ever in his debut game to have 25-5-5. That is wild for a debut. Paolo Pecaro to do that. And you look at the teams he went up against. You look at you know some of the guys he was matching up against. Honestly, outside of the Pistons game, because it was really kind of Bogdanovich, a little bit of Kate here. The, the Atlanta Hawks, you got John Collins, you got Clint Capella. Those are big guys down low. Yeah. For the Boston Celtics, you got Jason Tatum, Al Horford. He was playing well against them. And then with the New York Knicks, you have Julius Randle, who a lot of people were like Paolo Bancaro, looks very similar to Julius Randle and the type of things that he can do. I think Paolo Bancaro is going to be a better overall pro. But he went toe-to-toe with all these guys. He played very, very well. And I know the Magic are starting 0-4. But I don't think there's another 0-4 team or maybe a team really in the past few years that the first week goes winless, but their fans can be like, hey, the future looks bright. Because Wagner played well before Suggs got hurt. He had a great first game. The Magic as a whole, a lot of bright spots. And the reason for that is the centerpiece, Paolo Bancaro, who looks every bit as good as advertised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked he looked amazing against the Celtics. Like that, the spread of that game I think was nine and a half points. The Magic ended up losing by six, but down the stretch, I mean, he he made it interesting. Down, late in the fourth quarter, he was scoring back at buckets on Tatum, like kind of easily. I think not until like the last couple minutes of the game did Tatum really hone down. I think he actually caused the turnover on Paulo, but. Like we mentioned, he's a rookie. Like those, those things will happen. He shouldn't, like you said, it's kind of like their record. Like he shouldn't be held accountable of them losing games right now or, you know, making rookie mistakes late in games because we expect that. The things we don't expect is to him, is the way he's been scoring. And, you know, it's not that he's just scoring the ball. You mentioned Steve, he had 25, 5 and 5 yeah. in the first game against the Celtics. He had 23, 5 and 3. Like he's doing other things well. He he's not shying away when the, the best player on the other team is defending him, and he's not afraid to defend the best player on the other team as well. So, yeah, I mean, Paulo Paulo had to be talked about today, and he, he's been sensational so far. What's yours, Danny? What's your first one? Um, I'm gonna start with the Pelicans because they're fresh in my mind from last night because I I had to uh, I had to check a box score here. Um, because I actually had to double check it today. Um, the Pelicans are not only three and one, but they beat the Mavs on Tuesday night without Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. I did and Herb Jones, no Herb Jones either. Yeah, no Herb three Jones starters. either. That's actually that's actually how I noticed Steve because I have Herb Jones on my fantasy team, mm-hmm. and I I went and checked and saw that he wasn't playing. So then I went to check like the box score on the NBA app and I went in and no, no side of Zion, no side of Brandon Ingram. And they were up with like seconds left and they were going to win the game. And then so today when we were making this doc, I was like, OK, I have to make sure that Zion and Ingram actually didn't play that game. <laughs> yeah, three yeah. starters down, they're, you know, they're being led by CJ McCollum and then a, a, pretty much a bunch of nobodies in the in the starting lineup last night. They beat the Mavericks. They're at three and one. Um, Zion looks great in the games that he has played. I thought yeah. I thought Ingram's looked pretty good as well. And like we're kind of at this point where we had this these thoughts in the back of our head that the Pelicans could be legit. They could be that team. They could, you know, shake up the West and be that team that falls into the three four seed. 
And right now they're looking like it. And apparently they're deep as hell because they did. They beat the Mavs last night when Luca was on his game, when he was having a good game. Um, and they didn't even need Ingram, Zion, or Herb Jones, their best defender. So Pelicans are on my radar. Um, they're standing out for sure. And this this looks really, really good for the New Orleans Pelicans. Early, yeah. of course, but, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't scoff at what they've been doing so far. They keep playing like this. They're going to be on ESPN every single night. Yeah. It's just what's going to happen because people want to watch Zion. But I think we talked about it briefly when we did the Southwest preview is a couple of the rookies that played well off the bench in the playoffs were Jose Alvarado and Trey Murphy. And those guys have both yeah. taken leaps this year off the bench too. And if you include those guys coming off the bench with a starting five that if they can stay healthy the whole year, McCollum, Ingram, Herb Jones, Valencia, Yunus, and Zion, how many starting fives are better than that five? It really, if you look at that starting five, I don't, there's not many starting fives that can match up with that, let alone are better if they stay healthy. And now you're adding the bench step too. And yeah, Dunny, I kind of whiffed on that mass pick. It was pretty funny because I was looking at lines and I saw Pelicans five and a half at home. I'll take that. I click on the game. I look at the injury report. I go, oh, I'm missing three starters, including Ingram, Jones, and Zion. Yeah, we're not we're not taking that. I'll go Mavs this time. And they proved me wrong, kind of next man up mentality. And that's the best thing you want to see for a team like the Pelicans that have such star power. If they can include the depth with that star power, they're going to be scary. And the big thing, too, is McCollum showed in the Mavs game he didn't need to score 30 when a, their other scores are out in Grimson. He just turned into point guard McCollum and was making some incredible plays for everyone else on the court, really helping. Yeah, I, think, I don't think Trey Murphy missed a shot. He may have missed one shot. I mean, it was... A very impressive, impressive game to watch. We all kind of alluded to. We think yeah, the Pelicans didn't miss a shot. I just, I just yeah. looked that up. Isn't Eight that crazy? from the field, four for four yeah. from three, thirty-six yeah. minutes. And, and that's the thing. We were alluding to the Pelicans being a good team, and that was with kind of question marks on what we're going to see from their bench or what if Zion misses time. And if they're starting to answer these questions, sky's the limit for this team because we saw what they could be in the playoffs last year, all the hype this year. I'm very happy that I have alternate win totals on the Pelicans right now because they look like one of the best teams in the entire league. Yeah, right now they do for sure. Yeah, I mean, you guys kind of put it put it on the head there with the Pelicans. They've been awesome to start. I mean, as good, I think we had, like you said, high expectations for them just with looking at the roster on paper and mm -hmm. just being like, I mean, if these things kind of work out, like it, it, it looks pretty solid and it's looked exactly like that. Um, I will touch on the way Zion has, I mean, out with an injury already, hip contusion. I think that's just them being safe rather than that's anything so else. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not too worried about any of that. Dude has looked like he just picked up where he left off, and that Gosh. is the biggest news because we knew Ingram, Ingram and McCollum, regardless of what you think their ceilings potentially could be, I think that's the biggest argument about them throughout their career. Obviously, McCollum having a little bit of a longer career, so um, he's a little older, but those have been the narratives around it. They we thought they were going to be excellent though. If Zion is a force of nature, like, and he had, I don't even think he's been as good as he can be yet. He still looks like he's kind of getting in the rhythm, kind of figuring out McCollum, figuring out Ingram, what he can do best with them on the floor and everything else. They are a terrifying team in the Western Conference, which the West looks like it's going to be extremely competitive at the top this year, and they're going to be in that mix. 
Steve, what's your what's your first uh, standout though? Well, you kind of you got me right to it. You were talking about the West is going to be great this year. We all thought the West was going to be great, but there's one team that none of us really thought was going to be great, and that's the Portland Trailblazers, who we all had the under on. I believe the win total was forty and a half. We all had the under on because we're like, you know what, Dame's going to put out his numbers. He's going to come back, but we don't really trust this team. And I'll tell you what. Not only has Dame came back, he looks as good, if not better than ever. And this Portland Trails Blazers team is fun. They are off to a blazing hot start, 4-0. and And these blazing. aren't, you know, nice. push over. Yeah, you, you, saw, you saw what I did there. See, Duddy knows. Duddy knows now. I, I throw these in there. <laughs> but a 4-0 start, and these are not, you know, cupcake teams. Obviously, they played the Kings the first game. It's the Kings. Kings are fun. They're not a great team. They're a league best team. We know this. But they beat the Suns. They beat the Lakers in L.A., and then they beat the Nuggets and they beat up on the Nuggets. The yeah. Blazers are a fun team. And the biggest thing to me, which I thought who was going to take a step back was Anthony Simons. I was like, with Dame coming back, I don't know how Simons is going to, you know, fill a role when he doesn't have so much usage, so much volume. He's so and good, he's been man. he's been unbelievable. He The last game when they played the Nuggets, Simons was the one who took the game over. He had 22 points in the third quarter, did not miss a three, I think, till the very end of the third. And these were not your typical three-pointers. These were contested threes, guys in his face from way beyond the arc, and he was still drilling them. The stadium was electric during that game. And these Trailblazers, they're a fun team. Jeremy Grant has looked great so far. Yusuf Nurkic is doing what Yusuf Nurkic does. He's just a body inside the paint. He's going to get boards, and he's been fine for them. I didn't think they had a great roster to really win some games, but we've seen Dame Lillard carry teams with worse. And he's already hit two clutch shots already this year. I mean, he is – you talk about any type of player or any shooter you want at the end of a game to take a shot, Dame Lillard has to be on the short list. He has to be near the top because he has a, he, he just picked up right where he left off. The clutchest shooter in the NBA scored 40 over 40, I think, twice already this year, averaging 33 points a game, shooting 50% from the floor, 40% from three, 91% from three-point range. He's getting boards and assists too. It's a fun team. Now, I don't know how sustainable this start is, a 4-0 start, but I think we all can admit that we maybe were a little more down on the Blazers than we expected. Oh, no. And this is a team that not only could make the playoffs, but maybe be one of those sneaky first-round upsets where they come in you know, as a lower seed and just give a battle to one of the top seeds. Because the Blazers have really stood out to me. I know it's early. It's only been a week. But Dame Lillard looks like one of the best players in the NBA, like he was never hurt before. And it's just working. Their small ball is working. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. Like, Maybe shame on us because Damian Lillard, right, he had that ab- abdominal injury where he got mm-hmm. surgery on, and that's what he's coming back from. But that was apparently an abdominal injury that was bothering him for years and he just kind of played through the pain. But he said after the surgery, this is the best I've felt my entire career. I thought that was a guy, an athlete who hadn't had great luck lately, who's in his 30s and is trying to tell the media that it's the best shape he's been in his career because how many times have we heard that from professional athletes across every single sport? So maybe it's shame on everyone for not just taking Dame's word for it because he is a loyal guy. He's a guy who doesn't – run away from the truth he's a guy who's kind of been a solid stand-up athlete his whole career maybe we should have just listened to dame and been like hey he's got some 
talented pieces around him, and he just told us this is the best felt. This is the best he's felt in his entire career. So maybe maybe we shouldn't be that surprised by these forty point games. But yeah, I mean, myself personally, I was I was super wrong about the Blazers. They they look pretty damn good right now. Pretty sure Josh Hart is averaging like ten and a half rebounds too, or something crazy yes. like that. Yeah, <laughs> like they're Everything just a double double. <laughs> and this is a guy before the season who said we're not going to be like I don't know why everyone thinks we're going to be losing. Like we're not trying to lose. We don't think we're going to like. He's the one who came yeah. out and said that and is showing it on the court. I just think you look at like that the five that they can put out there. It's I, I think we were we were probably sleeping a little bit because it's a yeah. solid starting NBA five and that can win a lot of games. That can win a lot of games in the league. So, yeah, Blazers, man, yeah, definitely wasn't expecting that. But good for Dame, too, for getting back yes. to where he should be on the totem pole. All right, I will – Is there, uh, is there uh, anyone more fun to watch in, like, the late-night league pass slot around, like, 10 p.m. when Dame Lillard comes on and it's just a shootout in Portland? It's the best. It is the best. Dame is definitely on the short list of of late league pass. The Kings have not been holding up my end, end of the bargain for me this year, so I've been tuning into Portland more often than not. I'm going to another terrible league pass team that no one should watch. I'm actually this is I'm cheating here because this is two teams, but they're on such opposite ends of this of the spectrum of terrible that I had to mention it. The Los Angeles Lakers currently have the worst <laughs> offense in the league, and the Brooklyn Nets have the worst defense in the league. And I don't really know what else to say about that. I just don't even know what else to say. It's just like the worst fears coming true for both of those teams. Um, I'm not going to pile on Ben Simmons. He hasn't looked like himself, though. I don't know why Steve Nash is playing him at point guard. He has taken when he is on the floor, he brings the ball up 54% of the time. And guys, how many times did I say this summer? Do not use Ben Simmons. You you have a point guard. Use Ben Simmons as a big. And you yes. can use him on the ball. And for they said that. everything up. They said, they said it too. <laughs> and now why is he playing? So I don't know why Ben Simmons is playing point guard. That has nothing to do. Their offense has been fine, mostly because Kevin Durant has been awesome. Kyrie has been definitely a step below where he usually is, but still scoring at a high rate. But their defense is just Simmons hasn't looked like the force down there. They don't have any other answers. Opening night. Mind you, Seth Curry has been out. He's not helping them defensively, though. But their opening night starting lineup, I think I said this to you guys right away when I noticed it. It was Durant and Kyrie, Simmons, Royce O'Neal, and Nick Claxton. And that is that screams to me Steve Nash looking for a lineup that hopefully can play some defense. And maybe they can yes, get I some chemistry and just enough <laughs> of offense. No, and that night, speaking of the Pelicans who we brought up earlier, they just – Torch, torch the Nets, Beam and it was the same thing last night with the Nets too. With Memphis, they couldn't get a stop at any point to stop. Like they were scoring with Memphis, they were in that game, they were running up and down the floor with them. But I mean, Desmond Bain went unconscious. You can't do a lot. He's Desmond Bain. That's a guy I could have put on this list just because yeah. I think the sky's the limit for where he could be as a star in the league. But man, like yeah. they just couldn't get a single like a single string of stops to do anything. And on the Lakers, I don't, we don't need to say anything about the Lakers. The shooting, like, what are they shooting? 28 or 29% from three for the year or something like that. It's, it's by far the worst. They're the dead exact, last in the Western Conference right now. Dead last. They play in Denver tonight, which I almost took. I almost took. We put our picks up at the beginning here. Almost took Lakers plus five and a half. Just like they got to, <laughs> like, 
They got to figure it out, right? right? I, I have been tempted to take them a few times. My only loss on our picks is the Lakers. I can't I know. Yeah. Went opening night, plus seven Lakers, gone. And then it's been great. So I'm done with the – I'm like, I don't know, man. It's just uh, – it's – and they can blame Russ for all they want. Nobody's shooting on this. Some, Nobody some semi-breaking on. news about Russ. I mean, it's the same Lakers bullshit, but uh, apparently Stephen A. Smith just said this live on the air about somewhere between five to ten minutes ago. From what I'm hearing, he practically wants to be gone. Russell Westbrook wants out of L.A. Well, then why I do don't buy blame I don't blame him. <laughs> Didn't he just close on a house today? Yeah, that's that's that, I literally read that right before we started that he's now neighbors <laughs> with LeBron James. It's just like LeBron likes him. He's just like, I don't want yeah. you on my basketball court, bro. Yeah. Just, yeah. Get out of here. I think it's I I hate that he gets used as a lot of the blame. I obviously don't think he's playing well. I mean, anyone with eyes can see that he's not playing well, but no but one on the no Lakers is. is. Yeah. And yeah. we said this coming in, and we said this last year, he's just not a good fit for this team, clearly. Right. It's the same reason they're, they're not doing well. It's because LeBron needs shooters around him. So does Westbrook. Like, Westbrook is so much better when he has people around him who can shoot. And better shooters than AD and Braun, like – it just doesn't work. That's why I'm so surprised that he hasn't ended up in Utah yet. He hasn't ended up in Indiana. Like, I honestly – I think Indiana would benefit from having a guy like Westbrook on their team. I don't – I know we're going to talk about that a little later, but, like, the same thing with the Utah Jazz. Like, they're getting it done right now. Bring yeah. a guy like Brody in who – That's why who, Utah should be getting Brody in immediately. They're playing too well. Saying. I know. <laughs> yeah, I just I had to I had to throw in that little tidbit while we we're talking with the Lakers. No, that's here. great. You can continue, Jake. I got nothing else. What's your What's your next standout, Donnie? We don't need to talk to Lakers or Nets anymore. Um, I did want to say too because you you brought up the Nets. I think part of my takes out of today. I think Ben Simmons has more fouls than he does points on the season. Yes, that wouldn't surprise that's me. Cool. Also, now, mind too. you, everybody gave Ja credit for drawing him into that foul that yeah got fouled out. Yes, but it was a terrible call. That was yeah. a terrible foul call. Like, yeah. the, the contact there for your sixth, too. Like they knew Ben was at five. To foul him out on that is, yeah. is pretty bad. But, anyways, keep going. Sorry. And, well, for the Nets, too, I know you're talking about the worst defense. Guess who they play tonight? In Milwaukee against Giannis. Oh, I, I have never wait. seen a player prop so high. Giannis points 32, 32 and a half. <laughs> 32 and a half. Wow. I almost picked it. I almost That's picked insane. it. That's insane. <laughs> But that is like if you want to try to fix your defense, I'll tell you what, in Milwaukee's not the best way to do it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, tough sledding for the, the Nets and Lakers. That's that is that is yep. for sure. And honestly, I'm not like saying that we're like the best minds in basketball or anything. I think all three of us kind of expected it. I mean, I didn't I didn't think that either of these teams were gonna start too hot. I didn't think Somebody that they were gonna be this today. bad, but what I don't remember what pot I think it was Zach Lowe yesterday who was like I you could tell no it was Charles Barkley on Bill Simmons who was like you could tell me the Nets that head coach is fired by Christmas or you could tell me they win the NBA title and I won't be surprised by either one like it's literally like so many different and right now it's obviously and I'm kind of out on Steve Nash at this point to be honest I just don't think he's a great coach I think especially with this group of guys man and like everything that transpired this summer it's like what there's do you really think you could pull something good from this? Yeah. And it's just, it's, yeah, it's just tough. It's a bad situation. Uh, yeah, definitely bad situation. Situations that are good, though. 
And I just brought up one of these teams, the Utah Jazz, the San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio mm. Spurs, who Pop told us not to bet on to win he the championship. <laughs> no, no. He doesn't want he doesn't want the Spurs to be three and one right now. Sith, Sith Lord Popovich is well, maybe is Jeremy to... Sohan shouldn't be such a fucking baller then. Like what yeah. the hell? It's uh, he's up to no good, Mr. Popovich. Josh Richardson, you know, one of those guys we <laughs> talked about in that episode. He's he's been balling off the bench for them. Yeah. I, I saw the other day of I mean Oh, this is. I'm glad we got our Lakers shit out of the way because I saw the other day that the Lakers are interested in Josh Richardson. They're interested in everyone who's averaging over 20 Everybody. points per game. I think anyone who can shoot a three pointer, they're like, oh, yeah. that could help our team. Yeah, so maybe you don't have to play Matt Ryan off the bench to shoot yeah. your threes. <laughs> but the uh, the Utah Jazz, the Spurs, both three and one. I mean, the Spurs is just like crazy. Like we talked about it. Keldon Johnson's getting all this usage. He's playing. He's playing damn he's well. Playing good. Um. Yeah, I mean, they they're just figuring it out. Which I mean, this is funny because I do love this part of the season, Steve. I think you mentioned it like right at the beginning of the episode. But like, we're in these positions where next week the Jazz and Spurs could easily both be in the position that the Lakers oh. are in right now. Like I'm, this time next week, I'm sure the Spurs will be like three and nine or something. Like, <laughs> yeah, and they're like. They're eventually going to start losing by 30 some games because this roster, yeah. you know, they're all they overachieving right now. Yeah, it's not going to. But we're, we're talking about standouts, and that's that's what the Spurs are. And then the Jazz, in my opinion, are a little more interesting because mm-hmm. I think their roster is better than the Spurs. And they haven't really come out and said, you know, as much as Pops alluded to it at least, that they're going to tank. Like people would think that the Utah Jazz are in the Wembenyana sweepstakes, but. I mean, we don't even know that. Like, they have legit, you know, no real stars uh, other than the fact that Laurie Markkinen and Jordan Clarkson are playing like stars right now. Markkinen's um, been unreal. <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> game one, I, it was, I can't remember if it was game one or game two for them that he put up the 31 piece with, like, mm-hmm. you know, re- the rebounds, assists, the three-pointers to go along with it. Like, he's literally playing like Giannis right now. Um, they have guys like Malik Beasley. They have guys like Jordan Clarkson. Um, Abaji, we haven't even seen play yet, but you know, he's just in their back pocket. Like the Utah Jazz have guys, and you know, on top of them being good, and maybe we shouldn't scoff at their record either, they have guys to make that trade that we talked about. Like they could still go out and get Westbrook, they have the picks to get whoever they want, they have the players to, you know. If, if they need a guy to throw into the trade to get over that hump that, uh, to make the other team make the deal, they have those players, and they're sitting here at 3-1. and one. So, um, yeah, the Utah Jazz more than the Spurs, but both of these teams are mind-blowing to me. Again, yeah. still super early. We'll, we'll see this fizzle out, I'm sure. But, but you got to talk about it right now, right? Yeah. And I mean, Utah is, we talked about this team earlier, the only team to beat the Pelicans this year. And they yeah. did it in overtime thanks to Laurie Marketing having 31 and 12 in that yeah. game. I yeah. mean, he's been balling. Game, yeah. I know you're going to hate me saying this, but Olenek's been playing pretty well. Like, I love it. I love Kevin. <laughs> Jared oh, Vanderbilt Linux. off the bench has been like their big men have been showing up, and then they just have a bunch of guards they can plug in. They don't have to use all of them. Too too much each game, right? You have Beasley, you have Clarkson, you have um, Colin Sexton as well. I mean, it, just a lot of guys that are just playing well. I think the Utah Jazz roster is deep enough where 
maybe not you know a great team this year but they can sustain winning more than i think we expect i definitely obviously if we're going right now who's going to be a better team spurs or jazz it's jazz and i don't think twice going forward yeah. but this jazz team has really surprised me because i'm like you know what their roster is actually somewhat deep and i think Donnie, you said it in our group chat like uh, two games into the nba season you go i think for the first time in a while this is going to be a year where you're going to have to have a deep roster because there's so many good teams and i think it's going to be the depth that puts some of these teams over the top of other ones yeah, yeah, it's been it's been wild to see the Jazz. I, I will say, watch out for the Laurie Markin and Fool's Gold. There's there's a reason he got thrown in that trade, <laughs> and he's been traded now. He's on his third team in in two years, two and a half years. Jake's a salty Cavs fan. That's all. I I'm not salty at all. I'm very happy. <laughs> I'll get into that in a minute. Steve, go yours. Your second. All one right. Here. Yeah, my second one here. I have to do it. I have I have to. You know, I love my college basketball. I was pounding the table for this guy going back to last year saying Ben Matherin out of Arizona is going to be a monster and everyone's sleeping on him. And the Pacers took him, I think, a little bit ahead of where he was actually projected. And he's done nothing but show that he can become an NBA superstar. I know the Pacers haven't been great as a team, but for the first time, I think ever, Indiana Pacer fans can look and go, oh, my gosh, we have two guys that are like going to be the pieces of our future. And Tyrese Halliburton, who's been balling, and Ben Matherin. Ben Matherin, I looked up his stats. He's putting on highlights every single game. He's making threes. He's creating his own shot. He's driving into the lane. He's super strong. But what's crazy is doing this in like limited minutes. He's averaging 27 minutes a game. With 22 points a game, six rebounds a game, two assists. He's shooting 48% from the field, 43% from three, almost 80% from the line, which is what he struggled a little bit at at Arizona. And he's just been doing it in every way possible. I mean, Ben Matherin is already getting the late game run. Remember I talked about this earlier. There's going to be guys that come off the bench that really aren't bench players. They just kind of come off the bench and then they play with the starters the rest of the way. And that's what Ben Matherin has done to the point where the Pacers are favoring him in you know, shooting in late game situations over guys like Buddy Heald. It's, it's been yeah, crazy yeah. how quickly he's accelerated in this Pacers organization. And they have come out and said directly that we need to get this guy more minutes. We need to get him the ball more. He's been putting up highlights. His dunks are just massive. He's super strong for a rookie. But the biggest thing for me with these rookies is can you create your own shots, make your own plays? And they will just play iso ball with Ben Matherin at the end of games. And he is fine doing that. He can shoot the three. He can create his own shot. I love Ben Matherin this year. He was my sleeper pick. I forget what his exact odds were, but for rookie of the year, because I thought the odds just didn't match the type of player he can be. And right now, I think we can safely say Van Carroll's number one just with what he's doing. But I don't think... Ben right Matt, there. He's I don't yeah, I don't think Ben Matherin that right that there. far off. And this is something with a team like the Pacers who aren't winning games. They're not gonna really win much this year. They're rebuilding. We're expecting them to trade Buddy Heald and Miles Turner at some point. When that happens, it's only gonna go up for Ben Matherin. This is a guy who I it, I'm it's crazy saying this with a rookie. We could see him average over 20, maybe 25 a game this year, and he's starting his rookie season coming off the bench. He's just made that much of an impact, and he's gotten to the point where, yeah, the Pacers are going to not be a great team, but they're fun to watch because of two players, Halliburton and Ben Matherin. For the first time in what feels like 15 years, 
the Pacers made right moves for their future. Yeah, did you <laughs> did you happen to see Neesmith getting the start over him on Monday night? Oh yeah, but but that's the thing. It's like he hasn't started in any of the four games. He's he's came off the bench in all four. Be that long. And it, it's it's going to get to the point all, where it's like you just got to play him. It's it's kind of the Tyler Hero Miami Heat situation from last year, which Hero was another guy I want to talk about because he's been absolutely crushing it since he got paid mm-hmm. and in the starting lineup. He's proven everyone that he can handle it. But besides the fact Ben Matherin is just basically doing what Tyler Hero did for the Miami Heat last year, where he just sits the first four minutes. Like he'll come in five minutes into the game. It's like, just put this dude in the starting lineup. <laughs> Why are you resting on the bench for four more minutes? Cause he just comes in, plays with the starters rest of the game. And when he, be, if he, when he becomes a starter, I'm not going to say if, cause it's going to happen at some point. I mean, oh, yeah. you have to, but when he becomes a starter, those 27 minutes a game, is going to go up to closer to 35 and he's already putting up big time numbers and great efficiency. And I know it's a small sample size, just four games, but my bias sample size a little larger. Cause I watched him all the time at Arizona and at you could just see it when you watch certain guys. You're like, he just has the it factor. And I, I told you guys last year when we talked about college basketball, I said, that is my guy. I know there's a lot of guys I love, but Ben Matherin is one I think everyone's sleeping on that I really believe it. And he's done nothing to not, you know, not prove me wrong. He's been unbelievable. And I had to take a slight victory lap. Now the Pacers are bad, but hey, Pacers fans have to be hyped because Ben Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton have just been absolutely cooking this year. Such a sick duo. Oh, it's, it's such a fun, so fun to watch. I know. I'm I'm having fun watching the Pacers. Well, like, <laughs> what, what's going on right now? Having having fun watching the Pacers lose, mind you, which is exactly yeah. yeah. It is because they is just wild. play fun games. Halliburton and Maffron. Watch the whole second half with those two. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be. Don't I think come. let's let's all take our victory laps now because I'm gonna get into. I mean, I don't have. Do you have anything to add to Maffron? Because I think Stevie did it pretty well there Dunny. <laughs> no i was i was just gonna tell you to talk about your boy my boy yeah well i'm going trust me i'm i'm ready for this i yeah. have to go with donovan mitchell as the biggest standout i mean the dude it's yeah. only the third player in nba history to score 30 points in his first three games with a new team it's a very weird stat whatever but still significant for what he's done on sunday he played 44 minutes and had 37 points in an overtime win which they were on a back-to-back after a road game flying in from Chicago, and it was an earlier game. So they were like, I don't know, it was like 17 hours after a huge win in Chicago um, where he had 32 there too and just did everything. And the biggest thing for me has been Garland went out 13 minutes into the season. I mean, if you see the, did you guys see the picture of Darius Garland today? If not, I'll send. No, it to I didn't. You. I didn't see the picture. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the picture because his eye is shut. Like Garland oh. got basically he got smoked in the eye by Gary Trent Jr. who's got to cut yeah. his nails, and it got a slice under his eyelid, and now oh. his eye just looks like a like a boxer, like who's in the tenth uh. round of a fight. So that for was not the, that was not there, dude. for a point guard too. So that yeah, was not in the script. That was not in the script of the season. No. And I, we still have really, I mean, in that first game in the first quarter, and this is such a whatever little breakdown of it, but Mitchell came out like seven minutes left or six minutes left or something. So you, you could see they were going to just stagger it completely. Let Darius run his, his unit. And he was still in there to start the second quarter. Mitchell was about to come in when Garland got hurt. 
so we've only seen them together for like four minutes. And at the start of that, they were both playing off ball. Levert was taking the ball up. They were giving it to Mobley in the post to initiate off, then have those to initiate off of him. Don't know if that was just the beginning of the season type thing. But the biggest interest for me, I think I told you guys how many times, was how are Garland and Mitchell going to handle the load together? Yeah. You know, controlling the ball, playmaking, whatever. Well, Garland's been out. So then it's like, okay, let's see what Mitchell does. Like he's he's the offense. He's basically going to be the point guard now. Let's see what he does. First game, nine assists. Second game, eight assists. The last game, he only had four assists, but that was with the 37. He did have six turnovers that day. He also had three steals. Defensively, he's looked, he's putting an effort that I haven't seen, I don't think, from the past. He had nine rebounds against Chicago, too. Like the guy has just been. He's been initiating offense. He's been scoring at an efficient, high clip, and he's been getting everybody involved. Like, guys, I don't know what more I could have asked for from Donovan Mitchell for the first three games. And, and it's a guy that can, like, I don't know. It's nothing that's new to me. Like, I've watched plenty of Utah and watched plenty of Mitchell the past couple of years, but the way that he can just kind of control the pace of the game and control, like, the pace of a possession and change – change his pace on a drive and like set up people just he uses space so efficiently it's a it's it's so beautiful to watch and garland is supposed to be back friday night in boston so very interested to see what they look like together for the first extended amount of time it is a big game um very excited to see what they look like extended together but it's very good to know that I mean, last year it was all Garland. Garland, if Garland wasn't going, the team wasn't going. And obviously, we knew that wasn't going to be the case with Donovan Mitchell around, knowing how incredible the score he is. But just seeing it come to fruition and seeing it at such a clip right now, I'm I'm over the moon. The guy's been incredible, and he seems like he's having a real effect on the locker room. And yeah, like it solidified my thoughts on the Cavs this year. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the piece they needed, and it's kind of crazy, right? Without Garland, they really haven't missed a beat with the point guard. And that's the biggest thing I think you brought up, Jake, is I didn't really expect Jonathan Mitchell to be this good of a playmaker. With Garland out, I was like, oh, we'll see. But he's been he's been great. He's exceeded my expectations. I, I thought Mitchell was a good player, you know, pretty good player, but I didn't expect him to be 30 plus a game in the first three and really, you know, take this Cavs team. When Garland gets healthy, you know, give Mobley a few more games, get into the offense. This team, they could be dangerous. Couple months, couple months. Dangerous come summer. Dangerous come summer. This team, they're going to be a fun team to keep an eye on uh, throughout the season because they're only going to get better. Because you also forget too, right? This is Donovan Mitchell. He's only played three games with these mm-hmm. teammates. This is this is a new guy coming in and already doing what he's doing. So it's it's a very encouraging sign. Cavs fans have to be hyped too, right? Especially you gave up so much for him. For him to really prove that, yeah, this deal was worth it for this team to do right now, it has to feel good. Well, most Cavs fans are are just crying about the Browns, but this Cavs fan who doesn't care about the Browns <laughs> is very happy. <laughs> Dunny, get into it. What's your last one here? The Celtics as a whole, man. Um, it was just obviously aside from the the loss to the Bulls, though, and I, I us three were talking about it before hopping on here. Uh, but it was it was a big letdown spot. I mean, any game that you're up 19 points. Granted, it was in the first half, and in the NBA, we see that a lot. But yeah. if you're a team as good as the Celtics, you're supposed to be able to close those games or at least keep that lead throughout the game. Um, it's a game they were up by 19 and ended up being down by 19, and then and losing the game. 
Um, so aside from that, you know, they're three and one. We, we, we had that letdown game, which sucks to see. But, uh, I mean, everything else is just so encouraging. I mean, Joe Missoula looks like – like you have a head coach that's three years younger than your starting center, and he's in there like he's been doing this his whole life. Like mm-hmm. he's, on, he's on the sideline chewing his gum, and he just – he's making all the right calls, making great substitutions. Um, and, of course, he, you know, he found himself in an easy situation where – it's a team who just came off the finals. You have mature guys. You have guys who are super young, but also super talented. So, you know, I don't want to give Missoula too much credit because it is just three and one right now. But, I mean, that's a, that was a huge question mark. It was a huge wor- worry about this team. And you at least feel okay yeah. about the coaching piece right now. Yeah. Um, the offense looks like it has the potential to be way better than last year. I mean, Grant Williams is literally shooting the lights out from off the bench. Malcolm Brogdon is having his way. Guys like Derek White, like Derek White has a game this season where he's already hit five threes. I don't think he did that at all the entire season last year. Um, you know, and then you you have a guy like Blake Griffin as your 10th man, and you have all these pieces that just that are just working out. And the Jays started the season so strong. I mean, 35 apiece in game one really made a statement there. Um, but the big guy to talk about is, you know, the guy who everyone talks about when you're talking about the Celtics is Jason Tatum. Yeah. I mean, he even in that loss to Chicago the other night, he wasn't having a bad game. Jalen Brown is hasn't been shooting as good the, the second two games. But I just I just want to talk about Tatum for a second, man, because I did pick him for my MVP spot and uh, you know, it's early, but Jake, like you were talking about, it's just it's hard not to talk about these these superstars, right? Like Donovan Mitchell's balling for your calves. Jason Tatum's doing the same thing for the Seas. 32 and a half points, 8.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, just over a block, just under a steal a game, under two turnovers a game, 55% from uh the fields, 37% from three, and 90% from the free throw. Like Tatum is having that MVP season so far. Um, superstar level, man. This my favorite one of my favorite stats that he's broken or records that he's broken because he seems to break like a new Larry Bird Celtics record every every time he plays a basketball game. 104 points through the first three games. That's the most in Celtics history. He passed Larry Bird. Like I think Tatum's just on a different level this year. Um, even his his comments and demeanor on the court um, and in press conferences after he's he just seems more level headed. He seems more like a vet, and it's it's weird to call him a vet at tw- at twenty five years old. But um, you know that's that's what he is at at, at this yeah. point in his career, and it's it's it really is just super encouraging uh, for all the same reasons you know Jake talked about Donovan Mitchell, and we we have these two teams meeting meeting up Friday night and it should be a showdown. It's, and it's just, uh, it's cool. It's cool to see this for the Celtics because like I mentioned, I, I started talking about the coach and Joe Missoula. Like this team had a lot of question marks. You don't have Robert Williams. I think the defense has been shaky. It could be an issue, but it's almost like our offense is so good. And the, these guys and players that we have are so good. And they've been there before they've been in the big spots they played in the finals last season. Uh, it just seems like a no-nonsense group with just tons of talent everywhere you turn. Yeah, I mean, 
everything you said about Tatum, you you put it perfectly there. But it is really like the demeanor on court and just the confidence he's playing with. Like he just looks like he knows exactly what he wants to get to and knows that nobody can stop it if he wants to get to it. Like he he just looks like something unlocked over the last last half of last season and the playoff run obviously where he was incredible but it just looks like he's so much more confident and so much more decisive not even getting in and getting other players involved but also getting to his own shot everything um and it also helps that Jalen Brown looks like he's taking another step up too and to have that guy as a weapon alongside of Tatum who's still developing too I mean it's it's pretty terrifying going into any game. I think if those two are healthy, if you're any team in the league, just like being like, how are we going to contain both? Of, we're not going to be able to contain both of these guys. Can we possibly contain one of them? And even that is going to be a tough ask. Yeah, I mean, Tatum's been playing like an MVP, and it is crazy, Donnie. Like, every time I have to remind myself that Jason Tatum's not 30 years old. Because it feels like he's been playing for that long. He's got tread on his tires. He's been great, but Tatum is still super young, and we probably still haven't even seen the best Jason Tatum yet. Yeah, I said 25. He's he's not 25 till March. He's still 24. Like, That's, <laughs> isn't that the craziest thing? Like, Jason Tatum, like, you don't imagine Jason Tatum's a 24-year-old. He's just playing unbelievable, and he's only going to get better. And I know maybe it was a little biased. You're saying Jason Tatum, MVP, but he he looks like one of the favorites for MVP right now. And he's just been able to take over games in a number of ways, not just scoring, but everything else he's able to do on the court, both offensively and defensively. And I was a little concerned about the Celtics um, coming into this year just because of everything in the offseason, the coaching change. And they've looked all right so far. You know, the Bulls game was kind of a, a just a tough meltdown, especially the calls in that game, not the great. I'm, I'm never going to blame the refs, but the calls were not the best. But yeah. the Celtics have really kind of showed me. I know it's only a week in the season, but they've kind of showed me that this is a group that can overcome adversity. And this is a group that probably got deeper. And I think what we agreed on in the playoffs, probably their biggest, you know, weakest point was they were playing a seven-man rotation. It was yeah. just Grant Williams and Derek White coming off the bench. And now you got a couple other guys in there that are putting in good minutes. Brockton has been a huge ad for them. And they're still missing Rob Williams. So this is a team that showed me a little bit so far this year. They're really overcoming adversity. And Jason Tatum is playing like a top 10, arguably top five player in the NBA right now. Love it. So you talked about one team, Donnie that was in the finals last year. I got to talk about the other one. Yes. I think we have to talk about them. We I know they're I know they're 2 and 2. But guys, I think the Golden State Warriors look as good if not better than the champs they were last year. And that's better. kind of scary because I know they're 2 and 2, but I don't care about the records just how they look when you watch them. Steph Curry has not slowed down one bit. Steph Curry has looked as good as Tatum's looked for a type MVP. Curry's mm-hmm. like looked like that averaging over 30 close to six rebounds a game, five assists. He's shooting 46% from the floor, 44% from three, 93% from the free throw line. He's doing everything you'd expect with Steph Curry. He's just making ridiculous type of Steph Curry shots. And the biggest thing for me with the Warriors, actually there's two things why I think they're probably going to be better than they were last year in terms of a team. I think the league's better as a whole, so I don't know if they'll win again. I just think this is a better overall team. 
Andrew Wiggins looks like the number two in this offense. Uh, and he looks like the, he looks like the number two on this team, offensively and defensively. Andrew Wiggins, I know Clay Thompson struggled a little bit. Jordan Poole, everyone was hyped on him coming off the bench last year. He's doing the same thing. He's been Jordan Poole so far this year. But Andrew Wiggins looks like playoff version last year of Andrew Wiggins. He looks like an all-star again, guys. Andrew Wiggins looks like the second best player on this team, and that is huge for the Warriors because he's a pure scorer. He's a great defender. He can create his own shot. Andrew Wiggins being a number two to a Steph Curry Warriors team takes so much pressure off Klay Thompson and guys like Jordan Poole and Draymond Green. And now we get into, I guess, the biggest reason why I think the Warriors are going to be very good. Their depth this year is might be the best in the NBA. James Wiseman has looked so good in his limited minutes. He's only playing, I think, 15, 17 minutes a night, but he has been incredible down low defensively, something they really needed. In the past couple of games, he's finally starting to, you know, get some a little bit of his offense back. The first couple of games, it was just anything in the paint. I think eventually we'll see him take more outside looks. But James Wiseman has been a great added piece. And then you have guys they can just plug in and play like Dante DiVincenzo, Moses Moody, who they drafted uh in last year's class, and Jamichael Green. And this team's two and two. They've looked good in all four games, in my opinion. And this is with Draymond Green and Clay Thompson pretty much struggling, like not playing well at all. And what I said in our Pacific preview, I think the Warriors want to set themselves up for a postseason run. And to do that, right, to do that, you have to load manage a little bit, especially with some of these older guys. And they have the luxury to do that now with some of the guys coming off the bench. Jordan Poole has looked like Jordan Poole once again. And I look at this roster. They haven't even had to use Kuminga too much. I just look at this roster and I go, this Warriors team's roster is deeper, probably more talented than last year's. And that's a good thing. And that's a good thing because they won the championship last year and they have a guy named Steph Curry who, you know, is okay at basketball. He has a few rings, a few MVPs, a few championships. Steph Curry and this Warriors team, I mean, they look like they're one of the top dogs once again in the West. It's it's terrifying, but it's it's the truth. I'm glad you, you brought up the Andrew Wiggins thing too because – and. Obviously, you know, you, there's there's debates to be had about the past Warriors team, but as far as this Warriors team this year and the, even the one we saw last year, like, aren't you guys so sick and tired of hearing people saying, oh, who's the second most impactful or important or best player on this team? And it's just – it's always an argument between Clay and Draymond. It's like, let's let's okay. look at the facts here, folks. It's Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. I mean, it is it – is, and especially right now, it is clearly Andrew Wiggins. He's averaging 20, I'm pretty sure like just over six rebounds. And I just looked, he's averaging two steals and like one and Mm -hmm. a half blocks a game. Like he's doing it on both ends. He's efficient on offense. He can guard your best player. I'm sorry, but Draymond Green is not capable of guarding the team's best player anymore. Klay Thompson has not been a good perimeter defender since his injury. And another thing about Clay Thompson, how about he's shooting 28% from three? He's, he's struggling to start the mm-hmm. year. Really and I'm not trying to make bad. this like a bash session on Clay, but Ronnie 2K has to be taking so many victory <laughs> laps at his house right now. He is. Well, he is just jumping. And you saw it bubble over last night with Clay. 
I mean, you yeah. saw it bubble over like that frustration. Yeah. It's one thing that Booker and him but. and Booker are, you know, they've always gone at it, chirping each other anytime, but it's frustration with Clay more with himself. Last night, he was terrible last night. He was, he was just terrible last night. And yeah, I completely agree. Wigan, there's a reason they paid Wiggins and Poole right before the season. Yes. Like they made a statement. Like these are the two guys that are going to be the supporting cast for Curry more than more than the other two like you said they, they, those are the guys that they're and pool too has just you want to talk about looking confident i mean Dude, every game so he just nasty. looks like he just i mean it's so he crazy. plays with swagger he really he does really does he's yeah. like he's the best player on the court and you have to have that type of confidence when you're a player like pool and i love it i love seeing a guy like that because when he gets hot it's terrifying pool could be one of seven shooting but when he oh, makes he that care. one shot it, you you think he'd be like six of six that quarter? Like <laughs> Jordan Poole going nuts the nice one of six from the field right now, but yeah. he just he he has that type of I guess like I don't I don't know just energy to him that other teams they don't want to go up against a guy like that. No. Yeah, and uh, LeBron LeBron hasn't shied away from reminding us how good Jordan Poole is. Every Warriors game, LeBron's just quote tweeting a Jordan Poole highlight and. <laughs> And say Paul is so good with just a bunch of emojis. I think he's just he said about Anthony Simons last year. Yeah, he too. did. Yeah, what Simons went nuts in the third. Brown was tweeting about it. Like that's when you it's, know you've made it. LeBron, LeBron he's just, looking out the window like Squidward at. Yeah, he's dying to get some perimeter <laughs> players on his squad. <laughs> we gotta make that he, beam. He might as well start tagging <laughs> Polinka. He's like, yo, oh go go get me someone like this. That's amazing. All right, boys. Anything else before we go? I think that's it. That's All right. Well, for Dunny, for Steve, and myself, Jake, follow us at Happy Hour Hoops One. Follow us at Trainwreck Sports and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the next week of games. We'll be back next Wednesday um, after spooky Halloween. We're in November next week. That's crazy. And everybody wish Dunny a happy birthday on Friday. As, because oh. he's going to need it when the Cavs win by like 30 at the game. Oh. Oh. Is it Cavs Celtics on your birthday? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, yeah. There we go. go. There time. you go. Good yes. time. Also, guys, right. check out our picks. 26 and 16. 26 and 16. 26 and, 16. and as long as I don't pick the Lakers this year at any point, we should. I'll keep it rolling. And I told you. any Lakers. Started 0-3 in props. I was like, don't doubt me. Four straight winning props. We're back in the green Let's on go. both. We're and you know what I like? Green picks and props. Yeah. You know what I like too is we're always optimistic. We're not betting no yeah. unders. We're nah. all over player nah. props. And nah. we're just, you got to go down swinging. I'm, I'm not betting under prop all year. Nah, yeah, I'm, I'm not betting under prop basketball. all year. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for joining. Have a great night, folks. Later, guys.